This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons by Rev. Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text this morning is from the epistle lesson just read, especially these words. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means? Thus far our text. Your friends in Christ, you are a Christian. What does that mean? It means that Christ died for your sins and you believe that's true. All your sin is forgiven. Absolutely all of it. Christ has died for it. In the person and work of Jesus Christ, crucified, died, risen, we have all received salvation, free and clear from God, without any works or merit in ourselves. That's what it means to be a Christian. You are a Christian. That's true for you. So now what? Is that it? We're a Christian and that's it? There must be something more. What else is there to being a Christian? In our scripture lessons for this morning, Christ teaches us what it looks like to be a Christian. In the gospel lesson, he says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. That means we can't just throw them out the back door. We can't just forget them. All of the things that God taught us in his law, in his word, are still true for us. You shall have no other gods is something that still applies to you. God still demands that from his people. God still demands that people remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. In other words, that they come to church. God still demands that people don't steal. That they don't bear false witness or gossip. That they don't covet. And all the rest. God's law is still true. Even when you're a Christian. That means God's law is still true for you. Now that shouldn't be a surprise to us, should it? When God says a word, that word is always true. That's why 
we still make our confirmation students memorize the Ten Commandments. One of them was in my office this morning reciting them. We make them memorize those words because they still apply to us. The law of God is still good and wise. And yet the truth is, even though we know the commandments, even though we know they are God's word and thereby true, we still, in our sinful nature, oftentimes ignore them. We as Christians oftentimes become lazy in regards to doing what God says is right. It's true. I do it as much as all of you do. The Ten Commandments are our Old Testament lesson for today. Take a look at them in your bulletin. Have you kept all of them? Have you done them perfectly? Have you even done them 50%? First commandment, you shall have no other gods. How are you doing? We fall short, don't we? We love our families, our money, our possessions, our friends, our smartphones, and all sorts of other things more than we love God. Think about it. If an opportunity in regards to any of those other things comes up instead of church, what do you do? Have you felt that buzz in your pocket during the sermon and had to look at your smartphone to find out what Facebook notification you got rather than listen to God's word? First commandment, a fail. Second commandment, we curse, we swear, and the like. And perhaps worst of all, against the second commandment, we like to listen to and believe false doctrine. Hearing it in the name of God, teaching it in the name of God, especially when what God's word really says makes us uncomfortable. Second commandment, another fail. Third commandment, come to church. We already kind of hinted at this, didn't we? How often is there something else on a Sunday morning? A practice, or a game, or a vacation, or a comfy pillow? How often do we skip hearing God's word? How often do we only come if something important is happening? Like a family member's being baptized. Third commandment, another fail. We could go through them all, honoring parents and authorities, not a chance. 
You shall not murder. In the gospel lesson, Jesus explains what that means. You can't even be angry at someone or you've murdered them in your hearts. Adultery? Well, sheesh. Would anyone care to stand up and share how they've broken the sixth commandment in regards to adultery? Of course not. We'd all be ashamed. You shall not steal, but we do. You shall not bear false testimony, but our lips are constantly at work doing it. Oftentimes we even gossip right here in the church building. Did you hear what happened to Susie Lutheran over the weekend? Shall not bear false witness, but we do. And nine and ten prohibit coveting, but our huge list of addictions reveal the things we want. We fail. We fall short. We sin. Across the board. But you say Christ has died to forgive sin. Yes, that is true. He has. All sin is forgiven. All of it. So... Why would you want to take advantage of Christ's forgiveness? Why would you knowingly do things that hurt or harm your faith? That publicly confess you don't believe God's word is true? That deny that God's law is good and wise. Why would you play Russian roulette with that? Your sin is forgiven. Shouldn't you leave it all behind? It's like having children, right? A parent tells their kids, do not play baseball in the living room. And as soon as the parents turn their back, what do the kids do? They wind up for the pitch, and they hit a home run right through the living room window. Mom and dad come back. The kids are terrified, crying, begging for forgiveness, which is quickly given. But how would the parent respond If after forgiveness, after the window is fixed, the next day the kids play baseball in the living room again, and again, and again, and again. If it's not just the window, but the lamp, the microwave, and who knows what else that's broken. And yet, we as Christians, in our sinful nature, act exactly like that. Dear Christian, don't you know 
that you have died to sin. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ has been raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life as Christians seeking to do what is right, what is good, what is beautiful, what is true. We have died to sin. And the one who's died to sin has been set free from sin. Yes, you are free from sin. Now that doesn't mean that you'll never sin again. What it means is you are no longer bound to sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. You no longer are in its evil clutches. You belong to Jesus. Christ's blood covers you over. It covers all of your sins, even your sins against the Ten Commandments, which you still commit day in and day out. Your sins against your neighbors, forgiven. Your sins against your family, forgiven. Your sins against God, forgiven. All your sin, forgiven. You're free. And just to be clear, lest we forget it, all of the sin that has been committed against you is forgiven in the exact same way. Christ's blood covers it all. You have that forgiveness not by obeying the law, but instead because Christ has. You have eternal life not because you're a good person, but because Jesus was good in God's eyes. His death counts for your death. His sacrifice purchases and wins you from sin, death, and the death so that you may belong to him, living under him in his kingdom and serving him every day of your life here in this world. Jesus dies for you. He's the answer to your sin. He's your only hope. And that's why now you live as a Christian. 
The Christian seeks to keep the law, to not murder, to not steal, to not gossip, to come to church, not by compulsion, but out of joyful response to God's great love and compassion. The Christian avoids sin naturally because they follow their perfect, holy Lord. The Christian serves God by serving their neighbor. The people here in this room, sitting down the pew, who need your help. The Christian, in faith, seeks to keep the law as a result of the faith God gave. And when the Christian breaks God's law, as they will until they leave this sinful world... They don't self-justify it, saying, it's okay, it'll be fine, don't worry about it. They confess it. They're absolved. Confess means to say the same thing God says. When we confess our sins, we say what God says. They're sin, they're wrong, they're dangerous, they are not good. And then we hear the word of Christ says, I forgive you all of your sin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We repent. and We know that in Jesus is where our hope is. In fact, to summarize what our scripture lessons today are saying is this. Christian life is one of repentance and faith. Forgiveness from God and service towards neighbor. And that's the way Paul says it. We've died to sin. We live to Christ. The hymn that we sang right before our sermon today says it well. All mankind, all of us, fell in Adam's fall. But now, by one man who took our place, Jesus, we all were justified by grace. And then the last verse We thank you, Christ. New life is ours. New light, new hope, new strength, new powers. This grace our every way attend until we reach our journey's end. Repentance and faith, forgiveness and service. That's what Christians look like. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. This has been with Intrepid Heart Sermons by Pastor Adam Moline. 
The words, with intrepid hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord where it is written, By God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession, and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it.